Hi, and welcome this day. So glad you have chosen to join us. Today, we are getting into the topic of expectations. And have you ever been frustrated by the expectations you have for yourself or for others? And how do you even have healthy expectations for yourself and others? It's one of those things that expectations, they begin to pop up and they will frustrate us when we do not meet them or if we've put expectations on others. It can create quite the issue, right? There can be times where this is why we don't get along is because we expected fill in the blank. And sometimes we suffer ourselves internally with the expectations that we have put upon ourselves and that for whatever reason, we don't feel like we are going to make them. And so we, our peace is disrupted when our expectations are not met. And so how do we begin to think about this? How do we begin to get kind of a way forward? So today we are going to look at a story of Jesus is having to deal with the expectations of like, everybody around him. And we come at to the point of this story right after something called the transfiguration. And the transfiguration, Jesus was there. He was transformed. He was transfigured. Something changed about him. He was with Peter and John and James, and they've come back from that moment, a spectacular moment, one that we could think of as being kind of on like cloud nine, like going, oh my goodness, this is what it means to be in the presence of God. And what they come to is not feeling like in the presence of God. And so what they may have expected to have been able to share, they cannot. What is going on where they end up? It's just chaos. It's just messy. And so how Jesus, how he comes at that moment, how he is able to like give perspective to the people and trying to give perspective to the disciples. He's trying to guide them. He's trying to have a conversation of going, wait, there's something else that needs to be considered here when we are dealing with expectations of ourselves and everyone around us. So before we read out of Mark, let us pray. God, we ask this day for insight, for inspiration. Help us as we try to understand what it means to have healthy expectations and how we can deal with those expectations that absolutely frustrate us. Amen. Starting in Mark, the ninth chapter, verses 14 through 18. When Jesus, Peter, James, and John approached the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and the legal experts arguing with them. Suddenly the whole crowd caught sight of Jesus. They ran to greet him, overcome with excitement. Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about? Someone from the crowd responded, teacher, I brought my son to you since he has a spirit that doesn't allow him to speak. Whenever it overpowers him, it throws him into a fit. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and stiffens up. So I spoke to your disciples to see if they could throw it out, but they couldn't. All right. So big moment. Jesus is back with Peter, James, and John, and he finds them all arguing. He finds the other disciples. He finds the legal experts are there. There's a big old crowd, and everybody is arguing. And Jesus is like, 
okay, what in the world is going on? And maybe we've had those moments where we are so frustrated by the chaos that's swirling around us by something that has happened. And that we just want to put our hands in our face or we're throwing up our hands like what, like why? Just why? Why is this happening? Is this even necessary? Have you ever had an argument with someone where you go, why are we even arguing this? Like this doesn't even matter. Or the argument and you're like, wait a minute. I don't even remember what we, what started this argument. That's the kind of situation Jesus steps into. And when he asks that question, notice who doesn't say anything. The disciples are completely silent. They don't want to admit to anything. They've got their own kind of fears going on or their own hesitations about not answering Jesus. And so this man comes forward out of the crowd and says, oh, I can tell you what's going on. He says, Teacher, I brought my son to you since he has a spirit that doesn't allow him to speak. And then he finishes with, so I spoke to your disciples, right? Because the guy, the man didn't find Jesus because Jesus was at the mountaintop. So I spoke to your disciples to see if they could throw it out, but they couldn't. So you got to wonder what maybe they were arguing about. Maybe the disciples were arguing with the man. Maybe the man was arguing with the disciples. Maybe the disciples were arguing amongst themselves, appointing it like, well, you should have been able to do it. Well, you should have. Why can't you? That moment of realizing that sometimes we have expectations upon ourselves or upon others that really make us feel kind of small, kind of insignificant. Maybe even to where we don't want to say anything because we don't like what it's doing. We don't like the way it makes us feel because that moment is that realization of I didn't live up to, or I'm not living up to. And it's this going, okay, so what in the world am I supposed to live up to? Because this shows us how sometimes our expectations are absolutely out of alignment with Jesus, are out of alignment with God. And so the disciples here are in quite the rock between a rock and a hard place, and they don't want to say anything. And so Jesus is going to answer this guy, right? So the guy comes forth, clearly states what the issue is. He had, this man had the expectation that Jesus could heal his son and that that's why he showed up, and then his expectations weren't met when the disciples failed to do so. And so here's how Jesus answers. Verses 19 through 24, Jesus answered them, you faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a fit. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been going on? He said, since he was a child, it has often thrown him into a fire or into water trying to kill him. If you can do anything, help us, show us compassion. Jesus said to him, if you can do anything, all things are possible for the one who has faith. At that, the boy's father cried out, I have faith, help my lack. 
of faith. All right. So Jesus answers, and he's a little rough. He's a little straightforward. Right? He says, you faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Jesus is like, guys, like, what, what do you mean you couldn't take care of this? Like, you couldn't help this man. You couldn't help this boy. What, what in the world? It's that whole shaking of head, like throwing up the hands, putting the hands in that, in your, in your, putting your face in your hands. There we go. And going, oh my goodness, what in the world? Jesus had an expectation on his disciples that they could help the man. And it's really important to note, right? Sometimes we get caught up in the story of the details of going, okay, what, what is, what's going on with this child? What does he have? It, does this sound like rabies? Is this something else? Like, what is he in need of healing from? And that's really, we could go into the weeds on that, but if we focus on the boy needs to be healed, the father has asked for healing. And in doing so, the father's actual words are, help us, show us compassion. That's really important. When we're thinking about today and every day, when we're thinking about healing, how much showing compassion can be healing. It can be healing for ourselves and it can be healing for others. And here's an expectation we need to think about really strong that is a healthy expectation. The expectation that God has compassion for us, which Jesus gets to, right? If you can do anything, all things are possible for the one who has faith. That's how Jesus answers, help us, show us compassion. He's like, this is possible. Healing is possible with compassion. That We need to expect compassion from Jesus. We need to expect compassion from from God. Those are healthy expectations. And yet it can be so very, very difficult. It can be so difficult to allow that compassion in our lives because maybe we feel like, well, I don't deserve it. Well, if, if God's listening or if God's watching or if God's paying attention, you don't want to know what's in my head. That sense of, do we expect compassion from God or do we expect punishment? Do we, do we expect the, the dislike, the anger, the disappointment, which is actually what we may feel about ourselves? And so here, Jesus is changing that narrative. He's like, nope, you asked for compassion. This is exactly what I'm about. Yes, I will help you, I will show you compassion, and it will heal you. Continuing on in verses 25 through 29. Noticing that the crowd had surged together, Jesus spoke harshly to the unclean spirit. Mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. After screaming and shaking the boy horribly, the spirit came out. The boy seemed to be dead. In fact, several people said that he had died, but Jesus took his hand, lifted him up, and he arose. After Jesus went into a house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we throw this spirit out? 
Jesus answered, throwing this kind of spirit out requires prayer. All right, so whatever has a hold of the boy, the affliction, the burden, everybody else, they don't know what to do. The father asks for compassion. Jesus says, yeah, that's, yes, I can do that. And then we have the language of resurrection. When we get the boy seemed to be dead. In fact, several people said that he had died, but Jesus took his hand, lifted him up, and he arose. That is the language of resurrection. That is the language of new life. That is the language of this boy is on a new trajectory, that there are possibilities that no one thought possible before, that there is a new course that can be taken. And to recognize of just how transformative compassion, having an expectation of God's compassion in our life, how transformative it truly can be. It can send us in completely new directions. It can send us to places we never thought possible. It could cultivate relationships that we absolutely thought never will happen, cannot happen, that we could have never imagined. And so to kind of take that in of going, all right, how do I allow that expectation of God's compassion to filter through and change the way that I talk, the way that I act? How does it begin to change the way that I engage the world? Does it mean we'll be perfect at it? My goodness, no. There are times where I'm like, oh, I should have had a little bit more compassion in that. Oh, I think I left compassion at the door. Oh, shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that. Right. We have absolutely those moments where we struggle. And yet God's compassion. We may have to be careful with getting an expectation upon ourselves of we're going to get compassion perfectly. In fact, we should probably stay far away from thinking of perfectly, but we can have the expectation of God's love, of God's compassion coming into our lives and that it begins to change us. It begins to help us as we navigate. And it's really interesting because the disciples then go, well, now why couldn't we have done that? And Jesus' answer to them is, well, this kind of thing kind of takes prayer. It it takes that connection with God. It, It takes that conversation with God on a regular basis of pouring out the things that we struggle with, pouring out our frustrations of how we may feel like we are not living up to those expectations that absolutely keep us down. And it may also be a prayer of, hey, God, I need you to show the way. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what I should even expect. Help me to know, oh God. That sense of how are we communicating with God on a regular basis to give us a sense of, well, what is a healthy expectation? What is a healthy connection to God that filters then through, that even helps others, that even begins to transform our relationships, that begins to leave space for new possibilities? Continuing on, with verses 30 and then 33 through 37. From there, Jesus and his followers went through Galilee, but he didn't want anyone to know it. They entered Capernaum. When they had come into a house, he asked them, what were you arguing about during the journey? 
They didn't respond. Since on the way, they had been debating with each other about who was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12, and said to them, whoever wants to be first must be last and of all and the servant of all. Jesus reached for a little child, placed him among the 12, and embraced him. Then he said, whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me isn't actually welcoming me, but rather the one who sent me. The disciples struggle. And that's a really important thing because it's like they put it out there. We get the story of how much they struggle because they were honest about how they struggle, about how they struggled with each other. And in this case, they are struggling once again with expectations because they're, they're fighting about, well, who's the greatest? Well, I'm better than you. No, you're better than me. No, who's right? They're going back and forth and around of who they expect to be better than, of their expectations upon themselves above others. And so to think about that, to really get kind of clear about, okay, what, what do we struggle with in life? What are the expectations we place upon ourselves and that we place upon others that absolutely frustrate us, anger us, has, have us in a state of not being at peace, like completely disrupts our peace. And then Jesus is like, okay, all right. I need you guys to sit down. We need to have a conversation. That sense of, let's talk about this. And he uses the example of a child. And this part, it's interesting because there are a few ways to interpret it. And we could look at it like, okay, well, the child, we can think of innocence. A child is innocent. Now, there's quite a bit of truth to that. Of course, I also know that children, like myself, could sometimes be very mischievous as children. But there's also other aspects here to notice, right? Children often are extremely loving to others. It just kind of pours off of them unless they've been taught differently. Children also often will question why out of a sense of curiosity because they're like little sponges that soak up all this knowledge and are trying to figure out the world. And so they're willing to hear and listen and pay attention and they notice things even when we think that they don't. Children are often very much op more open to change and different directions and different ways of doing things. In fact, children are often much more creative than adults because we kind of put ourselves into a box of what is creative and what is not, whereas children just enjoy. They see things in the world so differently. And so there are a multitude of ways that we could interpret this, but really to kind of get a sense of, all right, Jesus, what are you really saying here? And he says, whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me isn't actually welcoming me, but rather the one who sent me. That when we're paying attention, when we're taking the time to notice all of the goodness, to be curious about one another, 
to be able to to sit with one another, to, to feel that love, to be receptive to new things, to change, right? Because children change rapidly. When we're willing to change, and it's a change connected to God's goodness, to God's compassion, to God's peace, to God's way of living, then everything around us begins to change. The way that we go through the world, the way that we hold perspective, the way that we engage, even the way that when we go, man, I messed that up. I so screwed that up that sometimes, right, it's an immediate apology. It's how do I make this right? How can I figure out a way to make this right for not just self, but but really you're wanting to make it right for others because you've got that compassion. You want to help. And so that moment of realizing how much of a change agent we can be part of when it is connected to God, when we expect God to be able to change us in good and wonderful ways, when we expect God's love to be ever-present, when we expect God to never abandon us, that we are never alone, how does it begin to change us. Finishing up in verses 38 through 41 of chapter 9. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone throwing demons out in your name and we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. Jesus replied, Don't stop him. No one who does powerful acts in my name can quickly turn around and curse me. Whoever isn't against us is for us. I assure you that whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will certainly be rewarded. They changed the subject on Jesus, right? They're like, okay, this is a little bit uncomfortable, not liking where this is going. Ooh, a little too close to home. And so here, John changes the discussion. He immediately goes into, hey, um, so we saw someone throwing demons out in your name and we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. Like, hey, that person, yeah, not part of our group, doing good, doing what we actually couldn't do, right? They couldn't do that earlier. And they have a problem with it. And Jesus is like, what? No, like, do not, like, do not stop. Like, I, I do not stop that person. They are doing good. They are doing a good that is connected to God. And that, that does not need to stop. It may not be how we would do it. Maybe that's not how we would respond. Maybe that's not how we would handle the situation. And not that we would do it bad or that there wouldn't be good intentions, but it's not exactly how we would. And so Jesus is like, it's okay, let it go. Be grateful. Be grateful. Whoever isn't against us is for us. I assure you that whoever, lets you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will certainly be rewarded. That moment of when goodness comes from all kinds of situations and goodness can come when somebody is trying to do good and good can come out of really bad situations if God is involved. And so to recognize that when 
the goodness, the love, the compassion that's connected to God, that we begin to live it out. And we begin to live it out in all kinds of different ways. That when we begin to live it out, that it helps us with others who are also trying to live it out. And, you know, none of us are perfect. All of us struggle in some way to live in God's way. And to recognize, you know what, we're all trying. And there are things we need to let go of. And there are things that we need to be grateful for because... We're all, all of us who are trying to do good, all of us who are trying to, to, deal, to do the whole grace thing, to extend it, to forgive others, to be able to love others, to have that compassion, to be able to serve, to be able to respond to one another in care, that those things are connected to God. And we can have that expectation. We need to have the expectation that when there is good present, that God is present. Because God will not abandon us. Even in the most horrific of circumstances, in the little everyday mundane, but in the things that make our stomachs turn, that God will not leave us. And that somewhere, somehow, good is going to come from it. Don't know how, but we're also being invited into it. We're being invited into that work. Jesus is constantly inviting us into that work, not only to receive it and to recognize it, but then to be part of it so that others may know it as well. And so when we turn on the news and we see the horrific pain of innocent people being killed, when we experience and we see the pain of violence, there's a moment of going, all right, where is God in this? Not how did God let this happen? God didn't let it happen. We make our own decisions. We have free will and there are consequences to that free will. But instead, how can I be part of the good that comes from this moment? How can I be part of the good that is connected to God? Because we can have that expectation. That is a healthy expectation to have. It is a healthy expectation that God will not abandon us. It is a healthy expectation that God somehow, we may not know it, and it may take a little time, but somehow God will bring good out of every situation. It is an expectation that God's forgiveness and mercy are always present. And it is an expectation that that compassion that God has for all humanity, that if we allow it, it can change us and shift us and put us in a new past that we could have never imagined otherwise. And so as we are looking, reflecting, frustrated, by the expectations we have for ourselves and others, we have to ask, is that expectation really connected to God? Or is it just something we've created? Is that expectation doing us good and bringing us peace? Is that expectation furthering compassion in the world? Is that expectation furthering God's love? 
or is it just creating more angst, more pain? As we reflect on this passage, may we be challenged in the things that we need to let go of, those expectations that we hold on to, that we need to say no more of, and may we be challenged in the expectations that we begin to hold on to that are connected to God's love, God's compassion, God's presence. Amen. Thank you.